Thank you for listening to the Guitar Caster Podcast on Magnetic Eye Records Radio. Guitar Caster is brought to you by Steamboat Amplifiers, creators of the Super Deluxe, Classic 18 and 50 Watt, the Compact Size Tugboat, and many more original ideas. When you need quality without compromise for your completely custom build, or you simply need your beloved tube amp repaired, look no further than Steamboat Amplifiers. Visit their website at steamboatampworks.com or their brick and mortar store located in Houston, Texas. As y'all know, my girlfriend and I broke up. <laughs> Turns out she can't handle all the research. All the research? Yeah. Uh, the fact mean? that I will sit there and research aluminum guitars for two months and have no one to talk to about it. So I'm just like, hey, you ever heard of these guitars called Valeno guitars? They're from like Italy or some shit like that. They had metal necks. What is she supposed to say to that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah she couldn't. Uh, she couldn't handle it, bro. Nah, man, she was in the wrong. <laughs> Thanks, thank <laughs> you. <Lon. laughs> Actually, I wrote this episode on a Sunday. You know, while I'm supposed to be spending time with my fiance. <laughs> we should all take a check. <laughs> Everyone listening. Check yourself. <laughs> With that said, welcome to the Guitar Caster Podcast, where we are the reason that gear is cool. I'm your host, Trevor Smith, and with me, as always, is Fixed Bias, Master General Jake Ryanerson. Ahoy! Of Steamboat Amplifiers, where we are actually performing this interview, uh, where we are actually doing this live at right now. <laughs> where we are actually recording at today. <laughs> Fuck it! We'll do it live! <laughs> <laughs> Also joining us is the Houston native musician, as well as Jake's employee here at Steamboat Amps, Juan Magma Magana. Dreamboat. <laughs> Do me a favor and go ahead and announce the winner of our latest giveaway. So as you guys surely know by now, Atari Matt from Idiot Box Effects was nice enough to donate Guitarcaster one of his blackout fuzz pedals, which is two different big muff circuits ran parallel to each other. We had a bunch of people submit this pedal's password, but can only go to one of you guys, and that person is... Juan Magana. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let's bust out the sorting hat. Yep, perfect. Thomas Ashworth, you Thomas are the winner. Ashworth. Thomas Ashworth. Oh my there we go. I knew he was going to win it this whole time. All right. <laughs> Woohoo. Congratulations. You Congrats. won. Congrats. You won a blackout fuzz. That's pretty tight. Yeah. I love that pedal. That's a good one to keep it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Thomas, you're getting hooked up. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Can I also get a come for our come. fans? Part of the Bucket Brigade. <laughs> come on! Come on. Come on. <laughs> what an exciting introduction. Oh man, let's keep that momentum going with today's topic. Today we're doing a deep dive into one of the most essential yet mysterious aspects of the guitar rig. I'm doing air quotes, the guitar rig. 
That is speaker cabinets. How they work, where they come from, and most importantly, how they affect your tone. First, we're going to give you an abridged history of acoustic science into the development of the modern speaker enclosure. Then, we will focus on what makes an enclosure specific, or better yet, how one complements a musical instrument. And obviously, most importantly, the electric guitar. To introduce the subject, we have to start at the very beginning. Ooh. I don't know if there's going to be any sound clips in this entire episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's going to be yeah. I, I don't have every type of cabinet that we're talking about, but I have most of them. I'm I need guess. you to build one before yeah. the week's up. You know, I like, as I was writing this episode, I was like, damn, I need to start making some cabinets. <laughs> before there was even the concept of an amplifier or a speaker, performers and orators would rely on the acoustic properties of halls, churches, and auditoriums to be heard by large crowds. In that same vein, the properties that make a space suitable for acoustic amplification are the very properties considered when understanding a speaker enclosure. The size, the shape, the source frequencies, and even the expectations of the audience all have to be considered alike. So the first speaker was born out of the necessity to hear our very first recordings. Since a microphone in the simplest form is just a reverse transducer of a speaker, it's funny to think that originally the speaker and microphone were one in the same device, and to this day are intrinsically linked in form and function. Turns out the first speakers were merely flanged horns made of metal anywhere from 12 to 20 inches in diameter and had the metal horns funneled into a tube down to a needle, which vibrated in unison with changes in sound pressure and or frequency as heard by the horn. The needle would then be applied to a heated rotating wax cylinder, copying the frequencies to the medium. After cooling down and hardening, the wax cylinder is played back through the same needle and out the very same horn that captured the sound in the first place. This was an extremely crude and lo-fi technology that eventually developed into the modern vinyl record. The vibrating needle eventually became a diamond stylus cut into a lacquer disc that was then plated with metal and turned into a stamp to punch out high-quality vinyl records at massive numbers. The metal horn designs of the late 1800s and early 1900s were not ideal in almost any way. They lacked low-frequency reproduction and had massive comb filtering, which is random peaks and valleys throughout the frequency spectrum. Thankfully, in 1925, we got our first paper cone loudspeaker. I'm calling it now. They're going to make a looper pedal based on the sound of the metal flanged horn with the needle. <laughs> you need to build that! <laughs> the shittiest delay you could ever want. Zvex already did it, the lo-fi junkie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's like a lo-fi or lower-fi. Okay, moving on. A loudspeaker is an electromagnetic device consisting of a metal basket or frame with a large magnet driving a coil of wire attached to a cone that can be made of a bunch of different materials. When this breakthrough came out in the 20s, it quickly became synonymous with the term speaker. In the beginning, these speakers were only used to listen back to recorded acoustic performances such as a piano, a quartet, or an opera. You get the picture. As electronics and amplifiers became more prevalent in our world, speakers began showing up in the previously mentioned halls, churches, and auditoriums. This technology even made it possible to entertain or just simply 
amplify a performer in spaces without ideal acoustic parameters. That is, you know, a space that if you didn't have speakers amplifying, you know, the the speaker or the performer, you know, it, it would be hard for for them to be heard by a bunch of people. Right. So just too large of a place, too many people, one or, or, or just like heard. a bad shape of room, you know, okay. like a big square box, you know, it's going to be hard to be heard at the other end. Well, all of our modern <laughs> shitty fucking venues right. are big square boxes. It's not an opera with, house. With a fuckload <laughs> of speakers, you know. Understood. And you walk out of there with your ears screaming. Always wear earplugs. Yar. At this point in time, something very important happened that changed the way people use speakers forever. The invention of the electric guitar. My favorite day in history. <laughs> and what day was that? <laughs> I think it was a Thursday. Do, 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 um, do. <laughs> this new instrument was the first to require an amplifier and speaker to be heard by both players and audience members. From the very beginning, the electric guitar was intrinsically connected to the sound, timbre, and functionality of its amplifier and speaker enclosure. Did I say that word right? It's timbre. And now it's one of those, it's like okay. Moog. Somebody My, said timbre the other day and I'm like. Argh. Yeah, exactly. So I've done that on other episodes too. My music theory teacher one time was like, hey, don't say timbre because you're going to sound like an idiot. And I forgot how to say it. I yeah. thought it was timbre. No, I was like, oh yeah, it's, idiots it's, say timbre. It's timbre. <laughs> it's timbre. It is timbre. Yeah, T-I-M-B-R-E yeah. spells timbre. <laughs> Super annoying. It's I know. so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Just Genetics. one of those weird ass fucking stupid English things. <laughs> or is that phonics? <laughs> this is where our discussion of speaker as playback devices ends. The electric guitar took the speaker and made it part of the instrument. The speaker was mandatory. The first cabinet designs were relatively not thoughtful, usually just a box with circular hole cut out for the speaker frame to mount to. Oftentimes, an amplifier would be mounted to the back of the cabinet as it made for a convenient package to travel and perform with. These are known nowadays as combo amps and were widely popularized by Fender for their open room filling sounds. Speaking of combos, let's discuss the three main types of speaker cabinets predominantly used by guitarists today. The aforementioned open back design, ported or vented designs, and sealed designs. The open back design is best characterized by a cabinet that does not manipulate the sound frequencies coming from the back of the speaker cone in any considerable way. Most players do not consider this fact, but it is true that a speaker produces the same frequency response in front of and behind the cone, Neat. albeit perfectly 180 degrees out of phase from one another. By the time sound from the back of the speaker cone comes out of an open back speaker enclosure and mixes in the room with the front facing waves, any phase incoherencies simply become a part of the sound, for better or worse. In certain spaces, this can make acoustic performance of an open-back cabinet unpredictable. What are some examples of brands known for open-back cabinets? As a good rule of thumb, pretty much any tube combo amp will be open-back, simply because the tubes need air to cool. Fender is probably most well-known for their open-back cabinets. Thanks, Juan. <laughs> a solution to the open-back design came in the 1940s. Why don't you tell us about that, Jake? So yeah, in the early 1940s, some fellas decided they'd seal the backside of the cabinet invent the cabinet from the front side below the speaker. This allowed the back wave to be funneled directly to meet the front wave in unison. At first, ports of this nature were sized to the surface area of the driver. This produced a vented frequency response equal to that of the speaker. This is now known as a detuned or open front 
ported enclosure, where the port is designed to have no significant emphasis on frequency response. Here at Steamboat, our best-selling speaker cabinet is the Steamboat D212, which utilizes this design principle with top-quality materials in a extra-large 212 package. This type of cabinet gives you a sound close to an open back, but with the front-facing delivery, no more worrying about the unpredictability of the performance space acoustics. I always look at it like you're getting the same sound as those legendary speaker cabinets that offers quality and reliability. It's not going to break ever. Uh, my Fender, what is that, 215 cab, is so flimsy feeling. Is that one made out of particle board? It's like a 68. Uh, that's all I could tell you. I've taken a transition. I've, I've had to replace some of the baffle boards in those cabinets. And, uh, oh, the baffle a lot, board, a lot of for times sure, the baffles is, are made is out of simply particle boards. For <laughs> sure. It's like if you were going to make any part of the cabinet out of particle board, it should have been not that part. Not the baffle. But no way. Whatever. Um, Why? Because that's just what the speaker mounts to, and you just yeah. I mean, well, in a like a two fifteen or something, you know, you got these giant magnets hanging off this baffle that you know it, you know, particle board absorbs moisture from the air, you know. But they probably didn't realize or understand that. You know, this is all to say that like this, um, this this cabinet that we're describing, this detuned or open front cabinet, is actually like a super rare cabinet, like. N- Almost no companies are making this cabinet. This is actually a huge reason why Steamboat makes this cabinet. It's really like a best of both worlds kind of scenario. And uh, from day one, I was like, man, this is going to be the one that, that I, that I want to push more than anything. Because they're huge, right? Like, you have so much yeah. more cabinet to speaker. Yeah. Every every single time somebody I show somebody one of our D212s, I go, oh, is that a 4x10? Yeah, it's no, that's no, a 212. Two, yeah, 212. I think they kick ass. I mean... You know, if you need like a super duper resonant sound, you probably want a sealed cabinet. But uh, we're we're about to we're, we'll we'll get there. With the advent of parameters created by acoustic scientists Thiel and Small, cabinet designers realized they could sculpt frequency response of the port by changing its dimensions in all manners. That being shape, depth, width, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Almost always, these types of ports are designed to deliver the most bass in the smallest suitable cabinet (laughs) for its size and number of loudspeakers. This is known as a bass reflex speaker enclosure and is very popular with, guess who? Bass players. Oh. (laughs) But also metal guitarists, too. Jen's Ben's, uh, what is it, the G-Flex? Oh, yeah. I had one. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I bet it chunked. (laughs) That was sold to me as like... The guy was like, dude, this is just the ultimate bass rig. I was like, why are you selling it? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want to be ultimate anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the last style of speaker cabinet. It may also be the most iconic, although I understand it comes with plenty of controversy. This, of course, is the sealed cabinet design in which the entire frequency response of the back wave is contained within the enclosure. Look no further than the Marshall 4x12. Yeah, speaking of Marshall 4x12, y'all, have y'all ever seen those 812 cabs that they used to make? 812? I, I or 810. Well, Maybe it's 810. Well, the, um, That's what Weezer played, right? That's what yeah. Rivers Cuomo's played? Well, like, back in the very early days of Marshall, uh, the Who asked them for bigger cabinets, and, and they made the Who 8x12s. 
Very cool. So, and, and then the, and then they were like, "Well, the roadies are really pissed." <laughs> <laughs> so let's chop this in half and make full stack. <laughs> yeah. So Mike Adams, the guy that basically wrote episode, what is that, seventeen, that Jaguar episode that we Jaguar. did. Jaguar. <laughs> Mike Adams built out. I, I guess. I guess. It is the shell of a eight by ten cabinet, but took the baffle out and made it a four by ten. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I thought too. It's like everything that you have to talk shit about Marshalls, like kind of fixed. That being said, Jake, what can you divulge about this style of speaker cabinet? Okay, this cabinet, this Marshall 4x12, was developed for two specific reasons. The first was the need to direct and stack mountains of amplifiers and cabinets to reach audience members at the advent of rock and roll, when concerts started to become unfathomably large cultural events, and the PA technology hadn't quite caught up yet. That's arena rock in yeah. a nutshell. Well, you know, like bands like the Beatles, they'd play these shows, and if you were in the back row, you just couldn't hear them. Word. You know, and then guys like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and The Who, they started playing and they were like, hey, let's just buy, you know, 17 million fucking amps, you know. So, cool. so but perhaps even more essential to this development was the almighty profit motive between Marshall Amplifier Company and the Celestian Speaker Company, both manufacturers based in England. After analyzing the design of a Marshall 4x12, it does not take long to realize it is simply a box just big enough to contain four 12-inch speakers. That's so funny. The other major convenience of this design was Marshall's ingenuity to lay out every part of the cabinet on just two sheets of neatly cut plywood. It's essentially like the the cheapest, lightest way to carry four speakers. Yes. Celestian <laughs> uh, and speakers and Marshall amps became fantastic partners. Uh, artists playing their equipment felt bolstered by the sheer number of amps and cabinets behind them, regardless of sound quality or frequency response, and Celestian moved units with 4x12s, 4.15s, and 8x10s all pouring out of the Marshall catalog. Celestian had no problem succeeding in business. So at this point, you're probably screaming, Marshall cabinets sound awesome! And you're right, kind of. This is the most fascinating part of this discussion for me. This economic means-to-what-end decision to manufacture speaker cabinets inadvertently became the sound of rock and roll in the 1960s. Thanks to artists like Jimi Hendrix, of course, Richie Blackmore. Richie Blackmore did it better, you bitch. <laughs> better than Jimmy? Anyway, a joke from a long time ago. <laughs> again, The Who, Santana, of course, and many, many more to follow. To this day, Marshall Stacks definitively became the guitar sound. So what are the disadvantages to this otherwise uber-classic cabinet design? The answer is the acoustic suspension, which I'm far too naive to comment on, so just carry on, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. In these undersized cabinets, the accumulation of sound pressure via the speaker's backwave stiffens the movement of the speaker cones. This is also known as dampening. That many 12-inch speakers creates a lot of sound pressure and in turn creates a different sound altogether. The best-sealed cabinets are built extra-large with just one speaker, with or without internal acoustic foam or fiberglass insulation. For the guitarists that love the Marshall 4x12, they will describe the cabinet as being you know, tight, punchy, responsive. Those that dislike the Marshall 4x12 might describe the low end as being choked off and having too high of a resonant frequency. Or that cabinet has thin tone. On large stages, open back cabinets will disappear. 
As the sound evaporates into the open air, stacks focus the sound forward, and many, many cabinets played together will have tremendous low-frequency response. This is all a matter of individual taste. Remember, if you think it sounds good, it probably sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, the, that's not the rule. What's the rule? That's not if what it, it says. <laughs> if it sounds good, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, one. Uh, no, if, it, if you think it sounds good, it is good. <laughs> yeah, what was telling Stick me? to the script, asshole. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Trevor with this week's Guitar Caster Smoke Break. <laughs> this is an amateur or unsigned band's chance to promote their current project and be heard. Submit your original recordings to guitarcasterpodcast at gmail.com for your chance to be featured. Enjoy, and may the rock gods look out for this band on their path to success.
Yeah, one well, was telling me about Kessner's that, for example, want him to mod like a a Klon KTR to sound more like a Centaur. One, that is an insane ask, and B, if it sounds cool, rock it. There are very few instances where I can't dial in a pedal or a combination of pedals or just switching out a guitar, for that matter, to the point where I'm like, yeah, that sounds close enough. Yeah, the mod guys drive me crazy. I mean, uh, sometimes it feels like people want to walk out of the shop just to say my gear is modded. Mm -hmm. Oh, without a doubt. And sometimes it's just insane. It's like, well, okay, you're not happy with your sound, you know, Have you thought about getting something else? Oh, no. I'm going to mod this pedal that I'm unhappy with. John Mayer uses this pedal. I need to use this pedal. (laughs) But can you make it sound different? You know, and... uh, That's kind of where I sit. When someone asks me to mod something, initially it's like, okay, what don't you like about it, and what do you want to change about it? And then when they can't tell you, it's frustrating. Yeah. What is it not doing that other pedals are doing, and why do you need this one to do what those are doing? Right. The type of mods I like to do are utility-based. You know, Mm -hmm. oh, like, I want this pot to be expressionable, or I want this amp to have, like, a half-power feature, or can you add a master volume to this amp? Like, that kind of stuff, I will happily do that all day long. But when people are like, oh, I need tone changed, it's like, man, I mean, you know... Unless there is just, like, a ridiculously tried-and-true method. I mean, like, I have a bunch of really good mods for the Fender Hot Rod Deluxe, mm-hmm. and those work pretty damn well. And, like, God, man, this is going to probably put me in a load of shit. But, like, we, we have a ton of guys come in with Blues Juniors, and they want to get them modded. And, like... I know where this is going. The mods are actually pretty good. They're They're actually, like, not that bad. Like, a modded Blues Junior sounds much better. But, fuck, if I can make these people happy... Yeah. Like almost no one is ever happy. Yeah. They're like, oh, do the blue uh Bill M mods or whatever. And we do the mods and they're like, eh, whatever. Like I I like one time somebody was like, Are you sure you did them right? And it's just like Oh man. And it's just like fuck. Like you're making it harder for everyone else so that wants these mods. Sometimes people want to do those mods before they change the speaker out in their crappy little yes. amp. Yes, yes, God. Yeah. I mean, if you want to change your, uh, if you want to mod your amp, man, get a good speaker first. I mean, hey, you know, a lot of the Blues Junior just comes come with Jensen C12N repros, and hey, that's a good speaker. But a lot of those Blues Juniors and Hot Rod Deluxes have like the shittiest speakers ever in them. Juan, have you ever considered just like changing the knobs? And handing it back. Oh, your knobs are changed. (laughs) I mean, it's like it it really depends on the customer when it comes to like modding stuff. Like, uh, I had a guy that we rehoused an old rat for. I was I was showing him how the rat was mounted to the enclosure, and it's through the pots. And he's like, "No, I want to use standoffs." Okay, that's fine. Like, we can do that. But it's like, why? (laughs) Like, it doesn't. It doesn't Had change you the sound. It? No, I mean, I oh, just showed okay. him how it was done, and like, gotcha. I get it. Like, if you want something a certain way, I'm more than happy to do it for you if you're willing to pay for it. But it's you're the smart guy here, though, and it's like, if you're asking why, it clearly has no difference, and like, you're trying to save him a buck, or yeah, well, or you I work. mean, like. Like, he was and he wasn't, you know? It was like, well, uh, 10,000 fucking pedals that work great are made this way. It's like, your oh, pedal gotcha, was made gotcha, this way, gotcha. but you want to do it this way. It's like, I'll do it, but it's like, you're going to have to pay more because I have to line up the holes, I have to drill yeah, it out, I have and, to do all and this. And we had to special order a, a box, you know, that was big enough for the project, wow. and it was just like... It's not even the same pedal at, 
at the end. Well, it's like I don't know. It's, is that a mod or a whole new pedal? Like it is a mod, but it's like when you want a mod done that like if I don't know, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. I'll, I'll do it. That's that's at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, that's what right. matters. Yeah, we'll do it. But like you know, also, it's weird when somebody says they want something and but they don't understand like why they want it or or why or, or or why they may not need it. You, it's hard to have a scope of work if you don't know what they're looking for. Right, like, and and I I know exactly who Juan is talking about. I mean, this guy, this guy was very strange. I mean, like you know. He would talk to you and he would say, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I want it done exactly this way. And then you'd be like, oh, well, um, sir, you know, that's that that one thing that you're obsessing over isn't important, you know, so you can just you can just not worry about that one thing. And then he'd and he'd be like, "Okay," And then like two weeks later, he'd come back like hyper pissed off about it. Juan, would you please tell that story about the ACDC preamp? Oh, the glue? Oh my gosh! There's a guy that asked me to rehouse a um, man. What's it called? It's like these solo sound or something. It's like a. It's pretty much like Angus Young used this wireless unit. Here's a preamp in it. Some guy made made it into a pedal, and they're like seven hundred bucks now or something. So it was shaped like the wireless unit, but he wanted it inside a pedal. So I I rehoused it in a pedal. I put I left like the uh, balanced output, ground lift, all the features. And then when I had talked to him the first time, I was like, okay, well, I'll just glue the LEDs so they don't move. And then we had a discussion about, like, whether or not we were going to glue the LEDs. Is that hot glue? Yeah, just hot glue. And then, like, I thought he was okay with it. Well, it was a situation where Juan explained to him that the glue didn't matter. Yeah. And then, man, it was one of those. cheap way to mount it. Well, no, you use the clip and then you use the glue to make sure it never comes loose. saying the word cheap. (laughs) <laughs> it's not cheap. It's it's dude. how it's done. Oh like we God. have, it's oh, literally oh, no, no, no. how it's yeah, done. I, I got There's you, an I got angry you. Charlie in right now. The LED is glued. Every electroharmonics pedal LED is glued. Like, like, look, it's one of those situations. Uh, and man, this is, this happens a lot in my life. I know it's very frustrating when you, you when you tell somebody something and they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But you both walk away thinking the opposite thing. Juan told him like, hey, uh, you know the the glue isn't the glue isn't important. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want it the other way. And uh, you know, Juan thought that he convinced the guy that, you know, the glue didn't matter. And the guy walked away thinking that, you know, right. the only thing that mattered is the glue. And, it, and uh, I mean, that's this guy in a nutshell. But it's like, it's not even, like, he didn't even plug it in to play it. Like, immediately he opens the back to see if the LEDs are glued. It's like, what? Whoa. What is that? How? <laughs> Whoa. And I mean, uh, you know. Well, you know, I don't really care. You know, um, I'll I'll be perfectly honest with our podcast listeners. I told that guy that it didn't matter, frankly, because he started to get a real attitude about it. And way after the fact, Juan's not way even close to done with the story. Juan, Juan Juan satisfied his request. He rebuilt the, on the first try. So he rebuilt this guy's pedal with no glue. And you know, like seriously, like months later. He just like pulls it out of a hat and is like, well, remember that one time when you put glue in my pedal? And I just said, you know, you're just making stuff up, sir. Fuck off. It's like, I really don't like arguing with customers, you know, like it's, it's pretty much pointless. But when people feel the need to argue with us to that extent, honestly, 
I'd rather not have your business. We're pretty fucking yeah. busy here, yeah. and uh, it's impossible to help other customers when somebody is acting that way. Well, it's like, it kind of sucks because usually if I'm doing custom work for someone, it, it, I, I like when it's like just a conversation. Like, oh, you want this done? Yeah, we can do it this way. And like, we both are happy with it. But because of that situation now, I have to make sure I'm on the exact same page as the customer because I don't want it to come back and be where I have to redo the project because of glue or something. It's like, if you don't want the LEDs glued now, I won't do it. I found snapping LED clips, like, won't happen. But it's just unfortunate that it had to get to that level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, essentially, we had to fire him as a customer because it just, you know. Fired as a customer? It became, you know, it became like that. Juan, from your perspective, would you please explain rebuilding it? How many times did you have to rebuild that son of a bitch? It's like the first time I kept all the features in it. And then like the second time, especially too, like this happens where someone will say, yeah, do it this way. And then that's not what I wanted. It's like I, I took the balanced output out. Like I just turned like all the cool features that it had got removed because he wanted it. And it's like the first time around, he didn't mention that at all. Oh, So it's like, yeah, when they like they try to flip the script on you and it's like, thanks a lot, you know? I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, ah, it comes along with it. It's kind of a, a byproduct of doing highly custom work, you know. I bet you're getting good at uh, filtering out that bullshit now. But I could only imagine you starting out and the amount of asks yeah, that. I mean, shit. Steamboats have been around for ten years. I mean, I've I've been through it all. I think. God, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, yeah, I wanted blue, but not that blue. It's like, oh my god, you pit, you literally like put <laughs> yeah. your finger on the sample and was like, this one. It's like the the super bright LEDs are a little too bright. Could we go with the diffuse kind? Oh I didn't mention god. that before, but I'm kind of annoyed that these LEDs are so bright. Who doesn't love a bright ass LED? Hey, oh, is it true that like a a petal isn't boutique unless it doesn't have a red? LED. <laughs> You're not allowed to have a red No LED. wonder no one wants to buy our broken amp simulators. <laughs> That's why. That's why, guys. It's Should've not boutique. It pink. <laughs> uh, where the fuck was I? <laughs> All right. To conclude our speaker cabinet as a source discussion, let's move on to the recording studio. Which design is best suited for capturing the unique sounds of the electric guitar? I guess real quick, let me kind of backtrack a little bit and just emphasize how unique the electric guitar is in the way that it requires a speaker. Like, I guess, you know, it's hard to put it in perspective, but when, you know, when it was invented, I mean, it's just, it was a completely new thing, you know? I don't know, it kind of makes you appreciate all these differences in speaker types and speaker enclosure types. For sure. A little more to understand that, like, you can't avoid it with this instrument. I mean, it is a part of the instrument. So anyway, as far as uh, recording this instrument goes, um, I'd say until this point, you can be pretty objective. Open back, sealed or ported, whatever suits your style best for the places you're playing, right? But in a recording studio, there is a single obvious winner. That would be the single speaker sealed enclosure. This type of cabinet is characterized by an extra large box with a single 10-inch, 12-inch, or 15-inch speaker. Speaking of, is that just a regular guitar cabinet that we're thinking of, or is that like an ISO box? Uh, like a regular guitar cabinet. Have you ever liked an ISO box recording? Uh, I mean, they, they work, but the ISO box... It's for like live... It's like if you're live like in the studio. Like the ISO box works for certain situations, but... 
mostly, you know, an ISO box does a close mic sound, and that's the only right. sound you can get. Yes, sir. I guess, you know, um, moving on, like in the studio, the type of cabinet I'm describing, this extra large single, uh, single driver box, has massive benefits the other types do not. Firstly, they are extremely predictable and directional. So where you put the cabinet is where the sound will stay. Uh, open back cabinets will spill into a recording space and require specific positioning and treatment to isolate microphones dedicated to other sources. So I'm talking about like drum overheads, vocal mics, you know. Specifically, drum overheads and vocal mics have overlapping frequencies with guitars. So that's where it becomes like even even like There's more no important you that like, out ever yeah 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 you're just gonna get shitty sound or you're gonna get like just like really really blurred um demo recordings demo quality that's why a demo sounds like a demo most Lo-fi. of the time you know your mixing engineer will not be happy if there's too much spilling between all these tracks uh secondly uh, the the second upside to this cabinet is that there are no phase incoherencies caused by multiple drivers and or ports most tracking engineers end up close micing 4x12s to avoid massive phase and comb filtering problems encountered when distance micing a multi-speaker cabinet. With a single speaker, you have much more flexibility for micing distances, which is something that, I, like, I can really appreciate, you know. Uh, it'll not only open up your microphone locker, but it'll also be more consistent from session to session. And basically what I mean is... When you have a consistent cabinet like that, you can try different mics and get different good results. Like, personally, I've found that distance micing cabinets is almost always a pain in the ass, you know, but it it, it, it gets really good results if you can deal with the problems. Are you going to throw one up on the speaker and then one further away? I mean, th- that can work really, really well. Cool. Um, and that's kind of like an open back. Right. Like an open back sound on your closed right. back speaker. Right. So you're getting a little room sound and you're getting the... Basically, you just have infinite flexibility. You know, you can put a room mic up. You can put a close mic up. It's harder to get that closed back sound with an open back. If if that's what the song requires. For sure. And I mean, you know, over and over again, we see in the recording studio, it's like, yep, we got a close mic it. Yep, we got a close mic it. You know, even... Man, even like 10 inches, 12 inches away is like, man, it is problematic sometimes, you know? And uh, I I basically, I just hate being stuck with a close mic and being stuck with that. I mean, it's such a a metal way to go. I mean, like that, that's a great sound for metal, but... It's tasteless. um, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's one way to say it. (laughs) Well... I'd say there's an infinite well in this discussion of speaker enclosures, especially as we examine what makes them a part of the instrument. Look forward to another podcast where we dive into the speaker types and brands, you know, like Like, you've got Alnico, uh, ceramic, you've got British versus American sounds, not to mention those Antarctic sounds. You'll know about those speakers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cryo speakers. (laughs) Cryo speakers. Metallica played in Antarctica. (laughs) yeah, Metallica is tight. Yeah. To only only the penguins could understand them. It was well, only no, they metal. Actually, it was metal they had for to penguins. play through uh, the entire audience. Had to listen on headphones to not disrupt the environment. Oh my goodness! Sounds give me fuel. Like give me fire. Give me. Dude, there was. That, a, I don't think a you're hot, allowed to sing that there. There's a, a that. there's a Hot Wheels game that has that song. 
<laughs> Dude, that, cool that story, bro. Dude, it was PS One. Literally, yes, yes, that was my childhood. The game rules. And you're like a toy, but you're going through the, the room <laughs> yeah. and shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, dude. the video <laughs> games I played as a kid couldn't have music on them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fuck you, kid. <laughs> Until we get that speaker episode out, uh, that's going to conclude our show for today. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, in our follow up episode, it won't be the next episode, but maybe, you know, three or four or five episodes from now, we'll, we'll actually talk about the different types of magnets, you know, the ceramic, the Alnico, and then we'll talk about the different brands, you know, um, you know, Jensen, Eminence, Sleshin being the, you know, the heavy hitters there. Jake, thank you so much for writing this infotainment filled episode. Uh, it was my pleasure to write my first podcast outline. <laughs> the reason it takes so long to put out an episode, I'm always writing it, editing it, and talking on it. Cool Josh wrote the Charvel episode one episode, and was like, hey, that was really <laughs> thanks, good. Thanks, Josh. Huh? He was like, really good, huh? I was like, yeah, dude, thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, <laughs> God, I should write a tube episode someday. You should! <laughs> just, just write an episode, and I'll talk about it. <laughs> um, that being said, thank you both, uh, Juan. You're inside as well. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take it, dude. As for us, be sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at GuitarCasterPod in order to find out what's going on over here at Dreamboat, oh, yeah. over here at Steamboat, over here at Steamboat and GuitarCaster here in Houston, Texas. Explain that joke. I wasn't there for it, so I feel like you should explain it. I'm just <laughs> the, referencing it. The guy that does Jake's website uh, <laughs> was just over here, and like I guess they use some hosting thing that's called dream host and the guy was like well everything's fucked up except we can be happy that dreamboatampworks.com is up and running <laughs> like no one said it It was just dead silent and jake was like thanks <laughs> like, like, as soon as he fucking left i lost it i fucking lost it you know there's nothing like a good freudian slip <laughs> yes Anyone ever needing an alternative method for streaming our pod can go to the website guitarcaster.com or Apple Podcasts or even motherfucking Spotify. 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 Almost Is that everywhere. good or bad? Do people Spoofy. hate Spotify yet? I hate Spotify. Yeah. I cannot stand Spotify. It auto-loads <laughs> on this computer. I should delete it because I've never once listened to it on on, uh, on the computer Spotify? we record with. I like have an Apple phone. Okay. Okay. Well, this I like argument that. is over. I this really argument not. is over. I, they, I, I got, like streaming it from the website, man. They've got good student discounts. I get Hulu, Spotify, and Showtime for five bucks. What? Whoa! Yep. Give me your ID. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah. Give me your password. Okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they beat out like Apple Music because it's like it is a pain in the ass to have Spotify and an Apple. Well, phone. Juan, you're only going to be a student for four or five more months. I'll take my little brother's account. <laughs> 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 Fuck that kid. <laughs> Uh, be sure to link us to your band's latest project in order to get featured on the next Guitar Caster Smoke Break. This week's feature was my buddy's TJ's band from Albany, New York. I'm actually wearing his t-shirt right now. Oh, the band's shit. called Sun Natives. The song was titled White Mountain. Dude, I promise I'll mail that fucking Guitar Caster shirt soon. I'm super sorry I haven't yet. Throwing some beer, too, like I promised. I'm so sorry. I love you, though. He sold me my Klon KTR. That pedal kind of sucks, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make it you, sound dude. like a centaur? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. When you said uh, White Mountain, 
dude. I thought it was like White Mountain Dew, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Have y'all seen that one meme that's like, I ate that one pepper so hot, I had to drink a two-liter Mountain Dewer. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Somebody Taco Bells. <laughs> uh, Jake, you got any plugs? All right. Well, I'll go off on a little... Um, you just did all right well. Me and my <laughs> friends have been joking about how different of a, well, difference there is in all right well and well, all right. <laughs> 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 so um, in case you haven't been following Steamboat or don't really care, I mean, don't blame you, but uh, this month <laughs> marks... Steamboat. 10 years in the electronic voyage of Steamboat Ampworks. Uh, 10 years ago, I started this business, um, and it has been a wild ride. Um, 10 years. We're thankful for it. 10 It's been super fun, and uh, I'm really happy uh, how things are moving along. So uh, follow us at Steamboat Ampworks, steamboatamps.com. Uh, we have a few new amps coming out this year. Um, we're updating our tugboat amp. We're doing this 10th anniversary tugboat. We're going to offer it at a $250 discount for the year of 2019. That's insane. Pretty much the same specs. There's one small change, and then the cabinet design has changed a little bit. But it's a fucking kick-ass amp. Rock that rolls. one you built today is sick. Yeah, I finished the first 10th anniversary for tugboat today, player? actually, uh, for a harmonica guy. A he, got a custom, uh, he got a custom DI output on it yeah it's just super fucking cool 10 inch class a combo um we have a new base amp coming out it's basically going to be like our steam our steamroller base amp but like a light version basically a just a smaller more like grab and go type of amp uh, another thing i've been up to i produced uh our i am in the middle of producing a record with sam turner and the cactus cats Woo! over at sugar hill studios god bless that man cactus cats uh, last, <laughs> last last weekend I spent almost 40 hours at the studio over just a few days with the band and uh, I think we cut an amazing record uh, we still have to go back to re- record a couple more additional instruments like fiddle and uh, maybe mandolin but um, it took a year for the last record to come out so hopefully we can get this other one out sooner but um, man they wrote these incredible songs and I'm so honored to be a part of it Juan you got any plugs? yeah um, let's see if you've got a head and you're in Houston, bring it by the steamboat and play a D212 because I guarantee you, you'll never find a cabinet that sounds better. And we also, um, Jake brought on a guy that repairs guitars, Bruce. Oh, shit. So, yeah. I almost forgot. Talk about Bruce. He's fucking (laughs) awesome. We just hired a guitar tech here. Uh, His name is Bruce Kirshner. He's 71 years old, although not a single person would believe it when they met him. He's the coolest dude I know. (laughs) He's super fucking cool. He worked for decades in New York City at Rogue Music, which is smack dab in the middle of New York City. This guy is a phenomenal tech. So now we have been doing guitar tech work for customers for a while, but we just stepped up our game big time. Uh, Bruce is the man. So if you need a guitar set up in Houston, Texas, uh, please consider giving us a shot. You want to know how good he is at setting up guitars? He drives a luxury vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> And he plays a mean fiddle. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if that's it. Oh, I can. I've got some mods. I've been working on more Big Muff mods. Lay it on me, baby. 
Um, let's see. So the intern here, Tully, he brought me his big muff. We put the Russian transistors that I got. So that was pretty cool. It sounds which you sent off for you. You ordered those specifically. You did. Yeah, just yeah. Find they're them. basically like the same transistors that were used in the uh, green and some of the black style uh, Russian big muffs. The black and yellow one is aesthetically the coolest one. The coolest big muff. I think the triangle one is my favorite. That's, Sound that's and looks. you're wrong, but I like okay. The, <laughs> I like that's being like cute your and wrong. opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, God, I <laughs> remember when we were talking about that shitty customer. Yeah. I fucking said that to him. I was like, "That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> this aggression will not stand, man." <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, my favorite line to throw up to somebody that's arguing it's with like you. Like your opinion man <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna replace the input buffer with like a boost and we'll see what that does to the circuit so whoa i'm kind of using his big muff as a platform to try out some mods that i've been throwing around as you should he's yeah. the intern it so. was fun to see him play uh you know juan has his own big muff that he's like egregiously modified and so tully was like trying it out yesterday it was kind of fun to see him be like "Ooh, i love that i love that and then it, by the end of it he was like well i pretty much liked everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like let's figure out which ones he will actually use and then i'll put those in his big muff and of yeah. course he likes all of them so i'll just do all of them my big brother <laughs> got his big muff modded by one and that's the coolest pedal owned b- between both of us fuck yeah i'd cool. have to agree well i guess if that's it finally Right. Finally. Finally. This... I, oh, I might be. I'm starting <laughs> to do some point to point style pedals. Oh, yo, talk about that. Yeah. Uh... So I built this Range Master. I think I'm going to leave it up here at Steamboat. Ooh. If you want to try it out and buy it here, feel free. Uh, we'll yeah, come play it. I just played it. Like the knob on your guitar is like a second knob for this pedal. Throw this as your first pedal in your chain, and you'll be very, very happy with the results. It's a range master. I wouldn't say all wand out because he can do some really fucked out things to some pedals, make them sound completely different, but it's just a really good sounding pedal. Just a really good sounding drive. I mean, it's an Uber classic, you know. I mean, people have been cloning them, you know forever and i mean they're they're great which you did a great job didn't you put a funny transistor in it yeah i put a higher gain one so like at its maximum setting it's a lot more gain than you get out of a usual range master and then i changed some of the values around so you can get like more bass out of it the original is supposed to be a treble booster so it's kind of harsh yeah i find the term treble booster for this style of pedal like not 100 percent correct but it's like it's troublesome at least yeah it's like I think of it more of like a fuzz that good one, boss, is more troubling. Like kind of like the Shine A uh, fuzz companion or whatever, like that yeah. kind of style. Shin I, Shin I, there you go. Shin I, yeah. Who, who? I bet none of us said it correctly. Uh, <laughs> that timbre. I was I was just playing timbre. That, uh, I was just playing that range master a second ago. And here, here, I'll throw a I'll throw a sound clip on it right now. This is what that bitch sounds like.
I kept it at 10 or, you know, the, the, the pedal dimed the entire time and just changed how the pedal sounds from my guitar. Yeah, that's how I use it too. I just leave it all the way up. And then depending on the amp, I'll switch to bassier mode or a treble mode. Okay, interesting. Uh, and it's kind of a set and forget kind of thing after that. I, unless unless it's not for you, you know, like I could see this being very versatile, man. Way to go. Way to fucking go. I guess if that's it, this is Trevor Smith saying, Eyes without a face. For one, Magma Magana. And Captain Jake Reinerson. Go ahead. Thank you very much for listening to the Guitar Caster Podcast. Josh, we miss you. is brought to you by Sugar Hill Studios. Built here in Houston, Texas in 1941, this establishment was a crucial stepping stone for the careers of legendary acts such as probably my favorite blues musician, Lightning Hopkins, George Jones, undeniably the greatest country voice ever, and many more. We recently recorded there and the staff was just as nice as the product that they constantly churn out. Sugar Hill's collection of vintage recording equipment reverb chamber rooms and emt plates is now available for immediate booking so why not secure your spot today at sugar hill studios whether it's tracking mixing editing or mastering be sure to hit up our boys at sugar hill you want to know how good he is at setting up guitars he drives a luxury vehicle Thank you for listening to the Guitar Caster Podcast on Magnetic Eye Records Radio.